When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You got weed from the odd even. And you are listening to Jay Scott the new, uh, on the hook. Rock. Hard, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation. It was the same day in another time. I felt your pain and you felt mine. And all that we tried and all of our tricks still couldn't help what couldn't be. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Hook Rocks. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying the day. Ooh, fall is in the air. Big, big snowstorm planned here for the Chicago area this weekend, or hopefully that's what they say. But in Chicago, you wait 20 minutes, the weather will change. But we are part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Great network of music-related podcasts. You can check out my fellow friends, as as well as many others, such as Carmen Apice and Vinny Apice on the Hanging and Banging podcast, Martin Popoff, the rock historian, Mistress Carrie out on the East Coast in Boston, and Shout Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus, as well as many others. Also, don't forget to check out the Real Me podcast uh, that speaks to the Teen Cancer America, the charity started by Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend. We just dropped an episode this week with the host Aaron Alden, where we talk about the stories of young adults and teens finding the healing power of music. It's a great episode. It's a great podcast. And learn to you know how you can get involved, if you so choose, with Teen Cancer America. And don't forget to follow us on every podcast platform that uh, where you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple, wherever. And don't forget to set your app to automatic download so you get the latest Hook Rocks podcast right to your phone. We have another great episode for you today. 
Man, growing up in Chicago, it was uh, always easy to get access to the band Sticks. They were always on the radio growing up, and they were the soundtrack or part of the soundtrack to the the uh, early years of my youth. And I'd like to welcome in keyboard player Lawrence Gowan. How are you doing today, Lawrence? I'm very well, Jay. How are you? Doing well. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I do appreciate it. Yeah, my my pleasure, man. That, that was a great little intro there. I, what a, what an excellent thing that is. Uh, uh, you just mentioned uh, the Roger Daltrey with the real me, and uh, how music is uh, is such an uplifting force in people's lives, especially when they're facing some adversity. Uh, yeah, what a, what an excellent thing that is. Yeah, I know. I appreciate that. I just had Erin on earlier this week to talk about, you know, those stories that she's, she interviews these young adults and these teens who have been diagnosed with cancer. And what this charity does is it has these uh, musicians that work with these teens to write and record their music as they're getting treatments for cancer. And, you know, it helps them heal, you know, music provides a voice for so many people and it, it has, has the healing power, but it also you know, presents that welcome distraction to focus on something other than the disease that uh, that affects these people. That, really, really important. That that is, it's the best distraction you could possibly that I know of that you could possibly focus on. I, I'm saying this because I've you know members of my family that have gone through cancer bouts, and actually, I, I have a friend. Uh, a lifelong friend who's in the midst of uh, of treatments right now, and he is the sound engineer for the. Uh, I'm from Toronto. Uh, he's the sound engineer for uh, for the National Ballet and for the uh, for the Canadian Opera Company. And it's amazing. He hasn't missed a day of work, and he basically says that the distraction of music and having to get the everything together for the for the orchestra has has been part of what's you know it's it's uplifting first of all to be connected to music this that, that vibration is so uplifting for him and and then the next part of it is yeah what a, what a welcome distraction it is so he's not you know spending the entire day focused on his uh, condition but rather focused on uh, you know w- what he's got to get accomplished tomorrow and um anyway i can't say enough about how good that sounded to me so there we go we can talk yeah, about yeah now. no absolutely <laughs> uh, you know um it is, it is a great podcast, so anyone who's listening to this episode, please check that out because these stories are absolutely amazing and the charity is absolutely amazing. So yeah. we always begin the same way every time we have a first-time guest as we welcome Lawrence into the podcast, into the Hook Rocks. And that first question always deals with what we're all about. Just like every rock song has a great hook that sucks you in. Every rock fan has a moment, whether it's a song, an album, a band, or performance that hooked you on rock and roll. What was it for you, Lawrence? <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a very common answer, but it's but it's really a, 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 a I guess it's a ground zero moment for people of, of, of my age, I guess, and, you know, within the within 10 years or so. When I was seven years old, uh, February the 9th, 1964, uh, the Beatles, uh, you, you know, played on Ed Sullivan. And I remember very strongly because I, I was born in Gla- in Scotland, in Glasgow, Scotland. And I, my parents, you know, I was the 
I was the eldest kid. Uh, we moved to Canada when I was uh, young, just little. And um, I remember my mom and her Scottish accent being excited that there was on, on the Ed Sullivan show, there was going to be an act from Liverpool. She had no idea who they were, but she said, Liverpool is very close to Glasgow. So I'm, I'm very interested. Apparently they're called the Beatles and they're very good. And so I, I said, okay, you know, seven years old. I'm not really all that in, enthralled with it. And, um, so not knowing what they were going to be like, they, you know, Ed Sullivan introduces them and they came on. And I remember about 30 seconds into uh, All My Lovin' was the first song that they sang. About 30 seconds into it, I, I remember kind of looking, glancing away from the TV for one split second at, at my mom and dad and just how they were kind of confused by what they saw. <laughs> but meanwhile, everything, every fiber of my body was just completely vibe on this vibration of, of whatever they were doing. I just felt I have to do that. Whatever this is that they're, that they're doing that, that looks like way too much fun. And I, I couldn't possibly live another day without focusing on, on wanting to accomplish something akin to that. So, um, that was my moment as it was for millions and millions of other musicians. It's such a monumental moment, a game changing moment, probably the, the biggest game changing moment in the history of rock music and the history of music, because there's so many people who speak to that moment of, yeah. you know, watching the Ed Sullivan show, watching yeah. them come to America. They heard the girls screaming. They heard this music that, was kind of familiar, but having the face to the music was, was such a, a, a huge thing, a huge, uh, you know, impact on young teens at that time, young people at that time. Yeah. I don't know if there's any other moment in music history that you can point to directly that, that set, you know, so many people's changed so many people's lives and influenced so many musicians. Yes. I mean, I, I, I have, maybe a hundred secondary moments that, that were in, in many ways, perhaps even more in some ways more profound in that they, they helped me to kind of realize what I had to do in order to kind of, you know, move along that trail. But that initial shock of excitement, there's so many musicians that I've toured with over the years. We, we talk about how, you know, what age we were and what, how, what that did to them, you know, when, when they, when they saw that show, it was, because you know you have to think back to the era there that was really the only variety show that 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 I had any knowledge of you know and and the fact that you could see such a wide um myriad of of of, of acts you know from in the musical genres would be every level of act every blues jazz classical you know and rock music had already kind of been there for a number of years, actually, you know, since probably 1956 when they had Elvis on, but there was something incredibly, there was, there was a life force that you just, you, you felt like you were, you know, connected to a whole other level of, of, of energetic uh, existence that you, that you just plugged into in that moment. And, and as I say, it's, it's, it's a common answer, but it's, it's, it's the truth. I wish I could come up with something else that sounded more original, but, but really that's it for me. Where did it go from there for you it, it, after you heard the Beatles and, you know, this was a, a life changing moment. What were some of the other artists? When did you start to pick up the, the piano or a heart? Have you already picked it up by then? 
Well, that's that's what I'm referring to when I say those kind of more the, the more secondary moments. They happen when you're with a bit more maturity. Where I remember I was about 14 when I saw I first heard uh, yes, and I saw an article in the in Time magazine where they had a picture of Rick Wakeman with the 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 the, the full length cape and surrounded by his Mellotrons and Mini Moogs and you know. Uh, uh, the keyboard setup that he had at the time. And that struck me as like, first of all, okay, not only can you be a musician, but you can also be a superhero because you get to wear a cape. And then I also noticed that he studied at the Royal Academy of Music. And I, and at the same time, I read an article that Elton John had taken lessons from the Royal Academy of Music. So I, I began to really get interested in what this was. And in Toronto, we have the, the equivalent is called the, the Royal Conservatory. And I, I, I began to hear more and more classical influence in, well, in, in rock music and particularly in, in progressive rock. And then I discovered Tony Banks and, and Keith Emerson. I, and I began to really realize that um, this was the part of the music that, that expanded it to a, to a, to a, again, a, a much larger level than, than a, than a, you know, very contained pop song. And uh, I, I started studying classical music and I, I eventually got through to where I got a, a, you know, a degree from them called an ARCT from the uh, conservatory in Toronto. And it just kind of broadened my, um, the musical palette, so to speak, for, for songwriting and for, and for playing and, 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 uh, you know, the, the, the technical aspects of it, but that was really important as well. Um, seeing that I'd also say that around that same era, just seeing what, how, larger than life a rock show could be in in the live arena you know i saw uh, the Good, goodbye albert road tour with elton and i saw queen and saw you know it went to genesis shows and yes shows and and just seeing that that kind of otherworldliness that they were creating on stage had had again a very deep effect on me and made me want to uh figure out well how can i bring that level of theatrics into the whole uh, into the whole thing. And uh, so those, those were other moments, probably even more significant when it comes to the, uh, the actual uh, practical way, the steps that you need to, uh, that you need to embrace in, in order to move ahead. As far as writing music, what were some of your influences lyrically and, you know, connecting with music on a, on a level with words, you know, instead of melodies, instead of playing? <sighs> Initially, it would be um, the the bands that I mentioned. I, li- I liked, you know, initially at least dabbling in that kind of stream of consci- consciousness uh, way of lyric writing. Um, so a little bit like John Anderson, you know, and a little bit Peter Gabriel. But I also really loved the imagery that Bernie Taupin would bring into into songs, you know, un- unusual phrases that you could Im- immediately connect to. Uh but when I got more serious about it, when I got a record deal when I was like in 1981, um, that's when I began to to, to focus more on uh, uh, authors, you know. So I would start to read, you know, I've read a lot of Herman Hess books, you know, and 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 I loved how he delved into the the, the human psyche and 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 belief system that there's something larger than life theory was always connected into, and uh, so he was one of the writers that I that I was began to kind of refer to when I was thinking of how to express things in a, in a, in a lyrical sense in a song. The new album released earlier this year, Crash of the Crown by Styx, 
um, is a wonderful album. Uh, it's got a lot of layers, a lot of texture in it. When you guys were making this record, what did you want to try to present to your fans um, in regards to the music uh, for this latest album? Yes, we, you know, we, once the music industry had kind of uh, <laughs> figured out how they, they were going to align themselves with the, with the internet and with the you know, streaming and all these things, um, it, it became a lot more obvious that we should, we should start making records again. And we did that in 2017. We put out a record called The Mission that, that did well enough to where we were able to play shows where we could play that album in its entirety alongside the, the legacy material of the band. And the, the success of that record led, um, you know, the record company Universal said, you know, let's, let's do another one. And we began looking at, um, you know, started writing songs for it, but realizing let's write an album in its entirety. Let's write something that's a 40 minute, you know, piece of music where you only have to flip it over in, in between using the, uh, the actual record, the vinyl record as the, as the, uh, as the, as, as the, the construct to, to do it. So a lot of song ideas came in and a lot of songs that uh, a lot of lyrical things that, that, that seemed to relate to the, you know, what, what was on a lot of people's minds at the time. But when we began cobbling the, the songs together, right, just as just as we had it kind of out, uh, the outline of the record done and the writing done, uh, the pandemic hit. And in a weird way, you know, at first that meant everything went on the shelf or was like, yeah, we'll get back to that when this pandemic's over in about six weeks. <laughs> you know, that was our initial uh, thought process. And then as we went into a few months later, we, we came back to listening to where we were with the record and realizing so many of these songs seem to be relating to what we're going through right now, you know, and what, what a lot of people are going through. And they, <clears throat> they hinted at, or they, you know, straight straight out kind of spoke about a, a kind of a, a re recurring theme of renewal renewal particularly after a cataclysmic event and we thought this is kind of bizarre that they um that we seem to be that that seems to be where we were putting our focus in in these in these songs and that that kind of led to to how the um how the sequencing of, of it would go and how it would unfold as a as a uh, as a kind of a a 40 minute piece of entertainment and uh you know that led to us utilizing all the uh all the technological tools that we'd suddenly become kind of second nature and 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 again that brought the record into a little sharper focus two songs were written after the pandemic one's called our wonderful lives and the other one is uh is to those and they kind of helped to kind of pull pull the focus if you want to call it that together even sharper and uh, eventually Crash of the Crown became the title track because it's a very enigmatic song that uh, that shifts gears very rapidly, although it's within four minutes in length. And it goes through three different lead singers with, uh, with J.Y. and then with Tommy and myself. And um, it just seemed to it seemed to pull the whole uh, theme of the record together, which is a, a story kind of if you want to look at it that way. Um, of renewal and uh, particularly after uh, and not letting anything, uh, any of the world, the outside world really have too great an effect on your, um, your overall sense of well-being. When you're putting this album together and, you know, we talked earlier in this interview about, you know, the healing power of music and how, 
right. the welcome distraction. And of course, we all know 2020 was a difficult year on many fronts. Oh, yeah. When you're recording this, is this that welcome distraction that music and creating <laughs> music provides? I have to imagine it, it does. It was exactly that. It was precisely that because there were, look, no one got through 2020, even, even you know, the, the lucky, the fortunate ones of us who were not, you know, touched by COVID, you know, directly or, or got ill. Um, we had a, a, an opportunity and a challenge to, to figure out a, what to do with our time and B how to keep ourselves from, from going insane, you know, and, uh, th- there are, I've, I've had the doctor friend of mine said, you know, everyone has some mental, um, remnants uh there there are some things that that that, that mentally sh- shook everyone up uh to varying degrees uh over that year and everyone has a little level of crazy in them which is probably why we started taking mental illness a lot more seriously and it became far less of a taboo subject to the point now where it's like it's it's we can discuss that on the same level as we discuss any illness and um but music really was that that was the galvanizing thing that happened for us. And we're musicians. I mean, we do it all our lives, but the focus on the album and that, how that brought us together in a, a much more um, productive and uh, cohesive way than just simply, you know, <laughs> blabbing on our, our zoom calls that we had every week, <laughs> which were fun, you know, they were very entertaining, but, but the musical focus in pulling together to, uh, to do crash of the crown it, it really lifted us, I think, to this other um, plane where we, you know, we're even even more anxious to get back out and, and play in front of people again and uh, with, a, with a, a renewed sense of purpose. When you think of recording this album and as you have grown with the band in the last 20 plus years, yeah. um, and you, you know, probably in the beginning, you were trying to navigate finding your place and finding your voice within the band. Now we're 21 years since you replaced Dennis DeYoung. When you're recording this album, for me, listening to it, I feel like even though it's, it, you know, it, it is recorded under the premise of the pandemic and all these things that are happening, mm-hmm. I feel like you, you sound more comfortable as you have gone on with the band. Is, do you feel that too as well? I think that's very accurate. I think that um, one of, one of the great things that when I first joined the band, as you know, I'm in my 23rd year now, and one of the great things that that, that they did right off the bat was they never once, not, not once in the in all the years I've been with them, did they ever say they wanted me to do any sort of an impression or mimic or any any kind of um, try sound alike idea. They really wanted me to to have my own voice within the band, but that's difficult when I'd, I'd already done you know 14 years as a solo artist and suddenly i'm singing someone else's material even if jy and tommy were part of the writing on you know such songs as um uh, rock in the paradise you know or lorelei etc but um initially that was i'm not going to say that it was difficult jay it just was there was always that constant knowledge that 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 um that, you know, I've come into the band now and, and everything feels right, but it really comes down to whether the audiences can, can ultimately accept this. And as each successive year went by and I saw just how, how increasingly successful the band was, it, it, it began to relax my, 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 um, 
relationship with the songs. And I began to see myself more and more in the lyrics because they're great lyrics anyway. And I began to realize the band is as strong as it is because we're, we're the culmination of the efforts of everyone that's ever been in the band, you know, and that's only to this, at that point, it was only, I think it was like, it was 10 people up until that point, you know, and uh, actually it was nine people up till that point before Ricky Phillips had joined, which is a relatively low number for a band that had been around at, at, to that degree. At that point, it was about just coming up on 30 years. And, um, but yes, as we began to make these records, these last two albums, um, I feel so much that the, the spirit of the band that I, that I'm part of that, you know, much the same way I, I use this analogy a lot, much the same way as I, when I look at Ron Wood and the Rolling Stones, I, I don't see the I don't see the third guitarist. I see a guy that to me was had been in the band all along. You know, it's weird. He's the he's actually the third guitarist they've had in that in that role, if you want to call it that. And I began to realize that no one replaces anyone in a band. The band's the, the band's life continues because. You know, with each successive era that they go into, just the right person has to walk in the door to, to embrace that era and to and to somehow exude whatever the spirit of that band is. Because each band kind of there is a spirit to a band. You know, it exists outside any of the individual members and uh, bands that have had to make tough choices along the way in order to to extend their life. If if whoever came in the door kind of helped to exude that spirit or add to it those bands have been successful at, at making those transitions. And so when we came to making these records, I felt very much like my own, um, my own contributions while still have to be, uh, you know, have to go through the scrutiny of everybody else in the band <laughs> that doesn't go away. Um, at the same time, I felt like I, I, I have a, a, an approach to it and a, and a, and a way of getting inside the, uh, the, the, the fabric of the group that, um, that, that works. I agree. You know, I'm always a big fan of a band that tries to evolve. And sometimes when a member is replaced and a new member uh, comes into the band, that evolution is almost forced. And that's not a bad thing. That's actually, I think, a good thing, because I think it creates a you know, re-energized spirit within the band right. because, you know, there's a different dynamic now. Because I do think musicians constantly want to change and constantly want to explore things that may have interested them. I mean, as musicians, you don't stop growing after you make your first album. You know, you don't stop being influenced by things is probably the, the proper way to put it. You keep listening to music, but sometimes your fans or fans of the band want you to stay in that box. Yes, you know, when, when a new member comes in, it kind of forces the issue in, in a way. And I think that's all positive. I think that is, is, uh, is a good thing because not everyone's ACDC and not everyone can, can make the same record. I'll be at the ACDC records are fantastic. Mm-hmm. But when, when you're a fan, I like to go along with the, on the ride with, with the musicians and with the band and see where it goes. I may not like some things, but I'm sure I'll like a lot of those things. I, I think that's really accurate. I think that's that's a very good perspective on on the whole thing. There are two there are two things going on here at a, at 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 any given time. Musicians, it's good for musicians to work with fresh voices that come in, come along, and that's part of why they do solo records or they go off and play with other uh, incarnations a, along the way. And from the inside, it can be not not only refreshing but 
really healthy for a band to to have someone new. I mean, I, I think I think of one of my favorite bands is, is Genesis, you know, and I was gigantic fan of the band with Peter Gabriel fronting it. You know, we touched on that earlier on. And when he was when he left the band, I entirely assumed that it will it'll only be him from now on. And when I heard that the drummer was going to be the new singer of the band, I even even as a fan, I had to look up and go, which one's the drummer again? Oh, yeah. Phil Collins. And I even remember so this is I'm on the other side of the fence here just as a fan. I remember when Trick of the Tail came out, a buddy of mine said, you have to hear this new Genesis record. It's like they've they've grown into something else, but they still sound like them. And I, at that age, you know, I, I just thought, yeah, that's not that's not possible. Um, I completely dismissed it before even listening to it. And uh, he had tickets to uh, the, what was the tour, the seconds out tour coming through Toronto. And uh, he had an extra ticket and said, you should come to the show. And I thought, ah, without Peter Gabriel, it just doesn't make sense. I went to the show and sure enough, I discovered the, the wow factor really hit me hard, you know. And then from there, I thought, God, all these great solo Peter Gabriel records, they would never have happened if that had not happened, if that had not occurred. You know, he went on to work with Jerry Murata and Tony Levin and David Rhodes and what a spectacular band he had. I, By the way, those guys wound up playing on a, a number of my solo records. Um, and but I saw that this was actually, as it turned out, it was actually a, a healthy thing that happened, you know, a, a musically healthy speaking, you know, that they, they wound up, uh, you know, mining brand new areas that would never have been there otherwise. But as a fan, you're rigid in your concept of what the, of what the band is. And, and it has to be this, it has to be this lineup. And man, I understand that. I really do. But sometimes like in my own experience, if you give it a chance, you might be incredibly surprised at, at, at the outcome. And you might just see that the band, let's go back to that spirit of that, uh, of what a band is, that it really has extended the life of it because of that kind of that, um, what looked like a very unfortunate occurrence that turned out to be a, a positive thing. As far as sticks goes, as we close the interview here, sorry for the dog barking in the background. Hang on one second. No, let the dog. I love when the dog barks. It happens with me at home all the time. (laughs) Our dog, he barks right in the middle when I'm doing interviews and stuff. And I I began to embrace it. So let the dog bark. Who's the dog, by the way? We will let the dog bark. That is Kirby, the the Hook Rocks official Bernice Mountain Dog. So, oh, Oh, Bernice Mountain Dogs. Oh, they're beautiful. Yes, yeah, they're big bears. They're big. Uh, they're big. Teddy oh yeah. Bears. Oh, they're so, beautiful. As we close, though, as we close the interview, as far as what's going on in the future for Sticks 2022, what are the plans for the band? Well, the, the most uh, significant thing I think on the horizon at the moment is we're doing a residency in Las Vegas, and it starts in late January, goes into early February. Uh, five nights uh, at this point at the Venetian and we have a special guest Nancy Wilson from Heart that will be joining us for some of those songs and we'll play we'll play some of her material as well so that's really an interesting thing we did that with Don Felder of the Eagles uh, about three years ago and it was again it's like a, a new person comes in and joins us on stage for three or four songs 
And that really lifts the band in, in, in direction that you wouldn't anticipate. And yet it's very entertaining, you know? So, so there's that. And then we have, you know, there'll definitely be a kind of a blockbuster, probably triple act uh, tour in the summer. Uh, I, I can't announce what that is yet, but uh, that'll, that'll come up uh, soon. I know this, Jay, there, there are not enough days in the year uh, for us to to play all the all the re- all the requests around the world for the band to play because people are so hungry to get back to uh, seeing live rock shows, which you know, I may have mentioned earlier. I I I've found that to be, that that's the greatest form of entertainment I've ever known in my life, mainly because of the longevity of the of the emotions that it that it stirs up. Um, so we're we're looking forward to kind of you know, igniting that in people as much as we can in 2022 and in February 2022. Sticks uh, achieves the um, the status of being a band that has existed for fifty years, so half a century of existence for a band is quite remarkable. And that still- is remarkable. That is yeah. that is incredible. I still remember listening to Chicago rock radio and hearing too much time on my hands when I was yeah. a kid, and just uh, just being hooked on Sticks yeah. and yeah. You know, hearing. You know, all the other songs and, and the rest of the catalog, they've just been a, a huge presence here in Chicago. It's just yeah. amazing that 50 years is, is coming up. It is. It is remarkable. It really is. But it just it, it goes to show, you know, rock music, particularly classic rock music, was it was the great the grand musical statement of the last half of the 20th century. And, and it's we don't we no longer have to you know try try, try to legitimize it or anything like that it's it's when i look out at audiences now on any given night half the audience can be under 40 years of age and they weren't even born when the biggest queen and genesis and sticks records were made and yet they they relate to them in their lives as as if they they have concurrent uh uh, expressions and 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 ways of kind of connecting to music that it's completely in tandem with their existence uh, on earth. So I I look at that as as the ultimate way of of just underlining the fact that this music has withstood this test of time and deserves to be played. Well, Lawrence, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you doing this. Well, great to speak with you, Jay, and um, all congrats on the on the station. And I, I think it's. Uh, it's great that you can stretch out like this and have these uh, uh, longer, more in-depth type uh, discussions that um, really connect us to the, the importance of music in our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll have to do it again sometime. Yeah, let's do it. All right, everybody. That's Lawrence Gowan from the band Sticks. Go get their album everywhere on any streaming platform. The new album is called Crash of the Crown. I'm Jay Scott. This is The Hook Rocks the ultimate rock community podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, take care of each other, and we'll be back soon.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 